This podcast is sponsored by WorthPoint. Find out what your antiques are worth at worthpoint.com. I'm at Brimfield, the show in Massachusetts with Kari Coxie. How are you, Kari? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, Martin. And uh, I met you out here last year, and it's a lot of fun. How are you doing here at Brimfield? This show is the mecca of antiques, so it, it, it's hard not to be happy here. We've got a bright, sunshiny day, high traffic, lots of buyers. I'm trying to keep myself in the tent so I don't go out and spend all yes. my money that I make. That's the hardest part because there's so much good stuff here. Yes. You also brought out two trucks. Two big 26-foot trailers came to Brimfield, so we are packed with treasures, to say the least. Yeah. And let's see, you're doing the tweet up here. Do you do, want to? Do we know the, I did all the furniture for the Brimfield tweet up uh, with Robert Allen and Benjamin Moore, and that trailer was just all the tweet up furniture. So oh, separately? Separately, yeah. but that's all for sale too. So yeah. we've got two big trailers full of stuff all for sale. So we've got a few more days. Uh huh. One of the things I really like about you is I really like ambitious people in general, and especially in this business, and forward thinkers, and I completely put you in that category. And we're sitting in a sofa that you carryized. <laughs> or re- I gave it a makeover, actually. Yeah. And it's East Lake, and you know, a lot of people would give me, you know, a hard time for painting East Lake. But you know, East Lake is out of fashion, and it, she really needed a makeover. And I did. I painted it, and I upholstered the seats, and I used a vintage bedspread. And it's a fabulous piece. It's a real showstopper. People are always commenting on it. Yeah. So hopefully, it sells before the end of the week. That's right. I hope. And thank well, you. I'd, I don't know if I'm ambitious or crazy. (laughs) (laughs) A combination of two works. Yes, it does. Um, Yeah, well, Eastlake is, I think it's Charles Eastlake, if I remember right, and somewhere around 1880-ish, close to 1880. I know it's after 1875 when he came in, and it's very sort of boxy Victorian. I don't know exactly how you could describe it. It's right in the era of what they call the aesthetic movement, but Eastlake... um, pieces never have taken off unless they're really unusual so um i I think my own personal view is that you're really not hurting something because no one would really buy it in the present state that's exactly right i love the whimsy of east lake you know and the carving and i think Mm -hmm. adding a little pop of color really gives it a personality people notice it more if it was just a plain old east lake little satir bench nobody would even turn their cheek at it whatsoever but with the color it's fabulous it really gives it a personality yeah and a lot of the things you have in your booth here like for instance you have shopping bags are in is that like recycled or something what is that those are shopping bags made out of recycled plastic bottles and wow. you're here at Brimfield sometimes you need extra shopping bags so it's the yeah. perfect little extra that somebody may pick up for a couple bucks yeah so you're, let's talk quickly about your show Cash and Curry and that's on HGTV Can you, and another station it's also on Great American Country which is GACTV so owned by the same company but we're on HGTV I think the next block is May 28th, eight-episode mini-marathon, and then June 4th, uh, an eight-episode block as well. Did you say eight episodes? Eight episodes all together, and then there's a couple of new episodes mixed in there as well. Wow, wow. And I noticed on, I watched some of your shows, I noticed that, like myself, you get into some of these places that are just so cluttered, and um, that's always a very difficult place to know where to start, what to toss out, and all that. What, what is the most challenging part would you consider in when you walk into a place that's just packed? When it's packed, um, you know, usually when it's packed like that, it's pretty dirty. 
Yes. You know, I always wear gloves. Sometimes we have to wear masks, but yep. it's always dirty. You have to get your hands dirty in this business, and you just dive in and dig in and just start organizing. And rarely do I throw much away unless it really is garbage, you know, broken pieces or yep. food or whatever. You never know what you're going to run into. Dead animals, maybe. But And that's true. I know, yeah. But you just, it's just really, really organizing it, you know, because sometimes people don't have the vision going into an estate sale. You know, there's a lot of different booths here at Brimfield where it's just a big hodgepodge. Some people like to dig. I like to organize it, you know, and put like things together or colors together because that helps people kind of envision those pieces. But going into a home that's just cluttered and crazy, it's just putting like together with like to start. Yep. Now, do you ever, do you ever just, I mean, I know I do, but do you ever go into a place and just turn it down? Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It has to be, there's a lot of work and effort that goes into those estate sales. Yeah. So it has to make sense. It, you have to be able to make a certain amount for the family in order to make it work business-wise. Right. And sometimes you take those sales because the people are so nice and right. they don't know where to turn or what to do. Yeah. And they tend to work out. You know, the smaller ones work out with the bigger ones. And then it just becomes, you know, even yeah. af- after a while. So it's worth it. You know... I kind of, I don't know about you, but when I walk into a place, I almost know instantly whether I'm going to try to figure out a way to get out the door or not. Does that happen with you? (laughs) (laughs) You know what? You never judge a book by its cover. And you learn that in this business because sometimes you truly will find a hidden gem somewhere where you never thought it possible. There's an episode where we actually find Roseville pottery in the nastiest mouse poop laden basement and people thought that was fake they were writing in on the message boards like that's fake they placed it there no you just really never know sometimes people just pack things away you know and and we find it and it's fantastic give it a new life so never judge a book by its cover because you just never know there might be a hidden treasure there waiting for you well i i have to uh i have to agree on you know sometimes if i go in and and it's a combination of the personalities of the people that are going to be unbelievable to satisfy (laughs) and then that all kind of compounds but i want to tell a quick story because it's kind of interesting i I did this auction one time and they were going to throw everything out everything was going and they already had the dumpsters there and so i said uh no i said you shouldn't let me run an on-site auction so i did and taking things out of the barn uh, i opened up this grain bin and i looked down inside and the whole bottom of it was covered with um, it could have been something from a cow, but it, it, <laughs> but it could have been mud, but I'm not sure. So I closed it and let the guys take it out, and I said, wait a minute. Something caught my eye, and it just registered. And I thought I saw a silhouette of a knife or something. So I had one of the people that worked for me kind of dug it out. And, you know, it was a revolutionary short sword, and it went for $7,000 that day. Wow. See? Buried treasure in the poo. <laughs> You have to look at everything. But that's just, that happens so often. You know, you talk about people going to auctions and it's a box lot. And sometimes the auctioneers are a little, you know, they want to move, move, move the merchandise. And you have to really check things out. There, There's treasure everywhere. And, you know, we're opening an auction house. We're taking on this new endeavor. Talk about being yeah. ambitious or crazy. So I'm really excited about that. Because then if it's a situation where there may it may be extra dirty, we can do an on-site auction. So I'm really excited about that. Yeah. 
When do you expect that? I know you're doing more makeover work this time in a bowling alley, right? We are. We, we bought a 1940s bowling alley. I sold about 10 lanes uh, to a gentleman who's opening up a bowling and brewery in New York. And we're doing the rehab there. It's a great building and hopefully going to be open by June 15th for our first auction, the grand opening. What is the name of the town it's in? It's in Lincoln Park, Michigan, and it's called Fort Park Liquidation Repurpose Auctions. Repurpose. Repurpose auctions. You fit that in there. Yeah, we did. Do you already have things lined up for that auction? We do have things lined up for the auction. We've got a little bit of everything. You know, we're going to do a weekly auction, and then we're going to do once a month, you know, the the bigger, nicer pieces. Um, But we've got from capital equipment to jewelry to household goods to, I mean, I think we have two semi-loads, trailers, sitting outside the bowling alley waiting (laughs) for us to open. So uh, finding items to auction is not going to be a problem. Let's get the customers there to actually buy. (laughs) Now, what is it like in your area? I mean, you, you're in all these houses. Um, what changed when you started the show as far as how many calls that you received now compared to before the show? Obviously, the show has been a huge um, blessing for me and my business um, and for the estate sale business and antiques world in general because it just the more shows that are out there, the more people are going to become aware of buying vintage and antiques and especially the younger folks, which is really, really important. We've got to get them into it. Otherwise, it's going to be dead in the water. Right. So lots of calls, lots of companies starting up their own estate sale service, which is great. There's something, you know, I always say there's enough for everyone in this business how much stuff do we really need lots of stuff out there um but of course you know i I can't help everyone we do have a couple of affiliates we're actually doing a training program where we help other people um start their own estate services business so it's really it's blown up it's been nuts i mean i I need a clone i take lots of vitamins i try to sleep as much as i can but you know you have to make hay while the sun is shining that's right i ran into a old-time antique dealer this morning in the post office and I hadn't seen him for a number of years. And we were talking about the, the way the business has changed so much. Like, for instance, he said, do you remember when I used to go to your auctions and I used to pay $400 for a Royal Bay Ruth tapestry piece? He said, you know, I was at an auction where about 40 pieces on top of a table just sold for $200 the other day. And so it really, there really is a, a paradigm shift in what people are collecting, what they're wanting, and hence the prices are different. If they don't know the history of the piece, where it was manufactured, why it was manufactured, the value, then they're not going to buy it. So it's kind of like one of the episodes that was on season three recently um, about ABC, American Brilliant Cut Glass. It's mm-hmm. falling out of fashion because right. people don't know about it. I'm writing a book. It's coming out in the fall. There's a section in there about ABC glass because I think it's important. We've got to teach people about this stuff. Otherwise, it's not going to be appreciated or valued. That's right. When I was in California, there was a woman named Marion out there that bought all the high-end, you know, like if it was a a $10,000 rare plate by Hawks, she was the bidder. Amazing, amazing collection. Last time I talked to her, she said, I'm the only one left collecting this on the West Coast. And that's kind of what's happening. Well, we did have a customer who waited in line for, this is no joke, 24 hours to get into this crystal sale because this person had the most amazing collection. And I think she spent uh, just under $8,000 very, very quickly on all of these exquisite uh, cut glass pieces. Yeah, It is beautiful. It you is know? beautiful. And, and um, if you have your auction hall, I'm going to give you a little advice. You make a pedestal, you uh, make a light that shines up and a glass plate on the top, 
set it on there and that, that crystal comes to, to life. It looks Ooh, beautiful. That's a great idea. Yeah. I'm going to do that. Okay. Seriously. I'm going to hold you to it. Yeah. <laughs> you have to come visit. I would like to do that. <laughs> do you have a website for that auction company yet? Have you put one together? It'll be all under the same repurposed umbrella. So it's uh-huh. repurposedshop.com. There's a calendar. Uh, there's actually an events tab that you click on. And it's got a calendar. And it's all my events. So they'll be on that calendar. Are you going to do any filming of, say, your first auction or the auction gallery in general? We're definitely going to film it. It's probably going to go on the webisodes, webisodes, um, or on my app. My repurpose app has videos as well. So, you have a repurpose app? I do have a repurpose app, and it's powered by WorthPoint, which is fantastic. It's got, oh. it has videos. <laughs> and uh, it's powered by WorthPoint, so you can look up your valuables and your antiques and collectibles and check them out and see how much they're worth. And you can see um, uh, behind-the-scenes videos, which is great. That's awesome. So I understand you're building a house and you're doing a little bit of repurposing in that as well. Well, I'm calling it the repurpose house because we are building it with as much architectural salvage and just reclaimed materials as possible. And actually, there's a couple of pieces here in the booth that came from a building that we salvaged a bunch of um, timber, post and beam, and amazing wood pieces and doors and it had um, four bars in this building. We're taking all of the cooler door handles and putting that in our kitchen. Wow. So some great projects. I've been busy. Yeah. <laughs> so that's, the, that's on the summer agenda, but we'll be filming some of that as well and I'm actually... That's going to be the second book. So i got, I got a, a lot going on right now. It's a little crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have an idea when you're going to finish up that house? We dug the basement. <laughs> <laughs> We are in the hunting and gathering stage right now. So, yeah. you know, and I'll probably find a few things here at Brimfield if I can find them price right to, yeah. to bring back since we have those huge trailers. But we're gonna, we've dug the basement. My husband was a builder back in the day, so he's pretty confident he can get us in there fairly quickly. Yeah. Hopefully by Christmas. We'll see. Fingers yeah. crossed. Yeah. yeah. I, the one thing, I did a very similar thing when I built a house. The one thing I wanted to make sure I had was a clawfoot tub. Do you have one? Yes, of course I do. Are you kidding? I have a yeah. painted one. I used it um, in, a, in a shoot, and I said, I'm going to keep this. Yeah. I filled a bathtub up with all my vintage buttons because oh I collect buttons to showcase, and I painted it green on the outside. And I'm like, this is going to the house. I love this little bathtub. I'll probably have more than one, realistically. You know, I, I handled an estate of a woman that wrote the book on buttons. She had an amazing collection of buttons. You would have loved to have seen that. That was many years ago. I probably would have died and gone to heaven. That sounds amazing. I had button people fly out there from all over the place. And it's not just me. Like, there are cra- there's You know what? There There's a crazy collector for everything. Absolutely. But I had a sale where there's wonderful button collection. Actually, my team bought me a, the button shawl that was there. And the button collectors were, like, shaking and, like, checking it all. I loved it. I, it was yeah. like they were banana for the bananas for the buttons. It was awesome. Yeah. It was awesome. The strangest auction I ever had was a bug auction. Entomology. It was all all medallions. There were about a thousand medallions that all had insects on them. And I remember my biggest buyer was from Hawaii. There's, people will collect anything. They really do. And I just heard of the most bizarre or interesting. It's not really interesting. It's just weird. Um, I'll tell you. Recently, somebody told me this. They collect. Remember those discs from AOL that they used to send you in the mail? Like, come on. Yeah. There's a collector for everything. Everything. It's weird. I know. What would you, what do you, you just collect them? That's what it is. Not me, but yeah, they just collect them. Exactly. Oh my God, that Maybe is they display them. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, this has been a lot of fun. 
And I hope you enjoy the rest of the time here in Brimfield. Thank you. I'm off to shop. All right. So this is Martin Willis with Kari Kuxi, and we're signing off. This podcast is sponsored by WorthPoint. Find out what your antiques are worth at worthpoint.com.